Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word. I'm excited for my guest today. His name is David Bowles, and we met through his publicist, whose name is Mickey Mickelson, and he works for uh, Creative Edge, a publicity company. Um, obviously really good in, with uh, connecting their authors with the right channels. But I'm excited about David because I found out that he dabbles in the um, genre that I write. You know, I welcome all experts and authors of all kinds of genres um, because it's all about the journey, right? But um, it's it's really fun when you connect with, with someone who writes in your genre. So, um, he, he's going to tell you more about this mystery book that he has written. But he is fifth generation um, to be born in Austin, Texas. His parents are from Pioneer, Pioneer Settlers. And his great-grandmother, Eleanor Van Cleve, was the first child born in Austin on April 14th, 1841. Wow, that's exciting. So his stories are based on many years of research, both historically and um, researching his, his genes. Uh, he and, his, and Becca, his yellow lab, travel extensively telling the stories of the Westward sagas. He's a prolific writer and he's written hundreds of stories about history and the true life characters he has met. The fifth book in the Westward sagas will be released in the spring of 2023. And I know for David, he's very accomplished. This is his third and final career writing. Um, so he's got tons of background knowledge. Um, if you just hop onto his website, you're going to be blown away by his accomplishments, which are extensive. So welcome, David. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here, Dr. Catherine yeah. Hayes. I'm really impressed. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. your bio. Uh, <laughs> I had the opportunity to read your bio. Oh, man. Yeah, well, so, so tell us, how did you get into writing about what you write about? How did that all happen? Well, it happened on the front porch. I was oh. nine years old. Okay. And my parents, grandparents and uncles, they all lived around the community there. They would gather at one another's front porch and sometimes it was ours and sometimes it was theirs. But they told stories about the family. And one story really intrigued me. And that was about Fayette Smith, a little nine-year-old boy. The first mm -hmm. time I heard this story, I was about that age. Wow. And when I heard that, I thought, if this story is true, somebody ought to make a movie or write a book about it. Yeah. Well, nobody ever did. <laughs> and I spent, I spent most of my life researching this little boy. And it turned into a wonderful story. He's kidnapped on... On January the 21st of 1841 oh. on Shoal Creek in Austin is just right off not far from where the present day capital is hmm. and uh, his father was uh, uh, was mutilated scalped as we called it and uh, the little boy had to witness that and they he was wounded in the abduction the error that went through his father came through and hit it he was riding on the back of the horse went through and hit him in the forehead 
was a superficial wound, nothing serious, but needless to say, a pretty traumatic. Mm-hmm. The little boy was carried off. Uh, I just th- thought it was such a story that needed to be told, and and I think my second, the previous book, Comanche Trace, is about mm-hmm. that story. You asked me how I got started, and that yeah, was yeah. it. And from an early age, uh, and quite frankly, I guess the short answer I could have said to how did I get started is I couldn't find anybody to write it for me. Well, well isn't that what authors do? We write what we want to read, right? So that's exactly. a great approach. Yeah. Wow. So. Are there other authors that you're friends with and, and then how do they help you become a better writer if you are involved with others? Well, I, I have I have them from all genres and mm-hmm. after doing this for 20 some odd years, belonging to a lot of writers groups and mm-hmm. I belong to one of the very large ones, uh, the uh, uh, Texas Writers League. Uh, that's a very large one. And I go to, uh, go to a lot of book uh, conferences and they they helped me along, and actually some of them I use for advanced readers, mm. and then I read their works. And mm. I use a lot of advanced readers to make sure that my my work is the quality I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And advanced readers, other authors make the, make great advanced readers. Yes, that's true. So when it comes to your books. Are you looking for each book to stand alone, or are you just continuously going to write sagas? I each book of the five books in the Westwood sagas mm-hmm. stands on its own. Oh. You could pick up one and not go because it's broken down into a generation. Okay. I might mention the previous generation, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully they'll go back if they've started in the middle. Yeah, but yeah. it's ideally, uh, I sell a lot of the books by the set, all, okay. all five books together, and that way they have them and they can read from book one to book five. Mm-hmm. It's real neat when I get somebody calls me and says, "Hey, man, I'm I'm on, I'm about to get to the end of the story here," because wow. <laughs> it's quite a long story. It's a hundred years, hundred yeah. years. That's what I was going to ask you. So, what from what time to what time do you well, does it spend? It, the story starts in the fall of 1762, oh. and they leave. They were they came to the United States as indentured servants, okay. and they served out their servitude for you know the trip over, and uh, they had the opportunity to buy 40 acres down on in, in Greensboro, North Carolina. And that's when it starts. Okay. And then the books that I'm in, the last two books, they've made it to Texas. And I call it, it's a hundred year odyssey. And it's a, and I, if I may tell you about a text I got the other day. I'd from, love that. From, a, from my lady who I met dog walking 20 some odd years ago. And she wrote, she says, your book has helped me so much. Under, Cause she's from Japan and English is her secondary language. And when I met her, she said she couldn't really read books at that time and understand them. Wow. Uh, but she's come so far, I guess, going through and getting her doctorate, wow. doctorate wow. at the University of Texas in San Antonio. And uh, anyhow, she had bought the books and, 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 and she said it helped her because it's, it, it goes through the American Revolution down to the 
Texas Revolution with Mexico and all the things that went on that. And I'm getting very close to starting on a book about the, the, the beginning days of the, of the uh, uh, just prior to, to the Civil War. Wow. So it's really getting, it's, you know, it's getting up closer to time. And I have enough stories to go right on up uh, uh, beyond uh, the Civil War. And there, the families are just on both sides. The families fought on both sides. I, uh, brother versus brother. You hear that story, but right. this family is one of them. Wow. And it's going to really make an interesting story, and I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. That's and this is this is probably some important work for you know historians. You know, even though it's fiction, some of it may be fictionalized. I'm sure it's still accurate in terms of what was happening. You know, historically. What about like the the dress and food and that kind of? Do you go into all of that? Yes, Catherine, I do. <laughs> I really do get heavy into the dress and follow that. I, I actually have a book sitting over here on my bookshelf. It's about, yeah. it's a pretty thick book that has from 18, uh, the dress from the 1800s to 19, to the 1900s. Wow. And so that has helped me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I can pick up from the 1900s. I can figure that out. But, it, you know, there's certain things, they call things different. Uh, right. You know, they didn't have zippers back in in those days. They oh. had ties. You know, they had to either tie or button their pants and stuff. It's okay. not like today. Men's clothes today. Okay. Oh, even even things like that. Yeah. If you weren't yeah. accurate, if you weren't, if you didn't research it, you know, someone who knows history would be able to pinpoint that. So that's yes. That's quite a bit of research. If I could tell you a little story of. Uh, one of my best friends, who is an avid reader, and I mean, this guy reads a book book a, a week, and I, he's one of my advanced readers. And and book one, and the first chapter, the first page, I've got in there that uh, one of my main characters, Adam Mitchell, he jumps off, he jumps off the chuck wagon, jumps off the uh, the wagon, and uh, the Conestoga wagon. That's the one with you know big big prairie scooter mm-hmm. thing and uh he he jumps off to move a limb out of the way and i'm having lunch with the guy we we had lunch early every week during that first book and he said david everything's great so far and he had just gotten him to you know first chapter and he mm-hmm. says but uh, conestoga didn't have a buckboard i said you gotta be kidding me he says no, and now he's a, he was he's one of the real authorities on 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 on, on old wagons and things like that, okay. and it was good. So I try and get people from different things. Who would have ever known that? And what, I had to what say, what is that? I don't I don't well, even know what that you, is. You know, if you watch the old western movies and stuff, you'll usually see Ma and Pa sitting on a buckboard. Even the the new movie that uh, Sheridan Taylor put out. Uh, you know, they, they 1873. They've they've got a buckboard. A buckboard is the seat that they sat on, okay. on the on in the inside the wagon. But what it is, those big freight schooners, uh, 
the people didn't ride in the wagon because it was too dangerous carrying their uh, load of furniture and stuff. It, one of the children or something, if, if a rope broke or something, it'd be just like riding in the back of an 18-wheeler truck today. Oh, wow. You see? So people mm -hmm. walked. They, they, you know, they carried it along. And in the Conestoga, they, they had a, the guy that was leading it, he walked along the side and had the leashes on the side. If he got tired, there was a little little board that they call it the lazy boy and they laid it down. And he could he could sit on that a little while and ride, but nobody really rode in the wet, in those big freight wagons. Now they so had it's the called a lazy boy? Huh? It was yes. called a lazy boy? It, lazy board. Lazy board, board. Okay. yeah, but it's it was it, the little thing that they can pull down. If you ever get a chance to see a a, a real Conestoga wagon, you'll see it's on there, one to put mm. back. Yeah, there are not too many of them around, <laughs> Catherine. There are not many mm. Conestoga wagon, but little things. But I had another situation. Another reader, uh, I, I made a story about it was in the in the, in the time in my third book and and one of my uh, main characters was in london and i mentioned uh, that, that you know they held up a glass of champagne and the, mm. and the, the crystal glass i mentioned crystal glass this guy he did we didn't meet on that he just sent it back to me he says by the way crystal wasn't invented until a hundred years after this event, they had cut glass, but the way crystal is made now, yeah, it, that that wasn't perfected until until much later. And so, even those details, yeah, yeah. And, and you know that's why it's so good to have all kinds of different readers. They all mm -hmm. have and the mules and the things like that. Yeah. The cowboy in Lubbock, Texas, that lives in a barn with his horse, and he 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 does, he does my critiquing on my horses and stuff, and I, I they catch things, and and I, I don't know what I do if I'm an advanced reader. Wow, exactly. So, how do you find your your advanced readers? You may have already said that, but I, I didn't catch well, it. Well, uh, usually it's friends. Okay. And I, what I do though, if it, you know, I have an old saying that you don't want anybody to critique your work that loves you. You know, they may <laughs> like you, but don't. <laughs> not anyone that's got a vested in, interest in the relationship do you need. Do you need to? Uh, you sure don't want them to critique your work. And I mm -hmm. try and keep it away from my daughters and, and you know and everything till the book comes out, because mm -hmm. uh, they wouldn't give me. An, uh, if they saw something they didn't like, they probably wouldn't tell me, you know. Right. But but uh, these people I know are people, and I've I've used some. Uh, well, the the best the six that I use, uh, I sent out about twelve, and I got six good, what I could really depend on to be accurate. They did a wonderful job, but uh, just people I've known for years. Hmm. And so you'd how be did? Oh, I just wanted to say you'd be surprised how many people want would love to do that. Oh, okay. Just for the asking, you just, know. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, how how has um, you know publishing and writing your first book? How did that change the way you approach writing the rest of your books, or did it? You ever heard of the Gutenberg Bible? 
I don't think so. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the Gutenberg press, you know, that kind of changed everything. Mm -hmm. And when this digital came, my first two books, they, they were done the old fashioned way. I had yeah. to go to a printer. I really went out and saw the laydown, where they cut them, and then the, what they call the 16 format. Oh, wow. uh, you know, they had a 16, 32, eight, you know, it, it, it was interesting. And just about the time I got to understanding the printing business, offset printing business, this crazy thing called Kindle and Amazon.com <laughs> came out with this thing called print on demand. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, for an in independent author like myself, I, I was amazed at how many people's authors fought it. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to an independent author because mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, it, you know, to, I had to buy thousands of books and you have a storage situation and you've got all kinds of, you know, things that yeah. uh, you've got a lot of money tied up in yeah. that. In that, And so uh, Amazon, I was one of the first uh, people to really get involved with Kindle. I really went to a writer's group. Yeah, uh, I guess that would have been about 2000 early early 2000 mm -hmm. and and i just asked i said any of you heard about this thing called uh bring on demand uh, no and we had probably 20 authors in there some published and some non-published mm -hmm. no one seemed to know about it so you asked a real that's not a trick question but I'm, I'm probably it's a different for me than it is somebody else because most people haven't i've done it both ways right and i prefer it the way it is now yeah yeah that's good and it's important for people who didn't know what that was like to know how fortunate they are to have these kinds of options now you know yeah so the only what, thing i'm concerned about is yeah. that there's especially in the ebooks e mm -hmm. uh, there's just so much being put out there that's just horrible yeah and and, and uh I, I wished amazon would 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 control that i mean mm -hmm. there's stuff that uh, you see them advertising those ebooks e for 99 cents i had to buy a couple of them to find out <laughs> you know what in the world, <laughs> you know but but that they do sell and you know the 99 cents mm -hmm. but they don't even make a paperback you know so. yeah although some authors when they're launching their book they they'll drop a cop they'll they'll have the price temporarily for 99 cents um, and they're they could be traditionally published and everything but it's just they'll they'll advertise it yeah but you do have to be careful so buyer buyers beware on um on purchasing your books and being careful. But for you, what what do you think is a, the best way to market your books? And then, and that's a two-part question. So one, what's the best way to market? And then two, what's the best money you've ever spent? Well, regarding Catherine, your career? I could tell you a lot about the money I misspent. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's 20 years of learning um, <laughs> process. And there's a lot of people out there wanting to take your money these days oh, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and you have to be very careful. But in answer to your question, what I see 
today for an author like me. I, uh, uh, I'm not one of the uh, five or six great, you know, uh, with big publishing house or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it's it's the internet, Amazon.com, Goodreads. Uh, there's so many of those smash words. There's just so so many places to go, and that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. But you, the author today, must do their own selling. Mm-hmm. You must get if you want to get into uh, bookstores. You got to do that yourself. You got to have signings. I had one Tuesday night. It, Pouring down rain, we got about half of what we are anticipating. But at least everyone that came bought a book, wow. and uh, you know you help the bookstores out, and they'll help you. Wow! And, and then, but uh, then in my uh, presentations that I make to to uh, historical uh, societies and and genealogical society, genealogy societies. Um, uh, those things, you sell a few books, so somebody tells you about it. Uh, but on my social media, I have a- a- Amy, Amy, uh, I never can say, <laughs> I can't say her last name. Yeah. <laughs> but Amy uh, does my social media and keeps okay. it up. Uh, we've got over, uh, well, 5,000 on, we've got right at 5,000, you know, they cut you off. I, I, mm-hmm. I just get some a block. <laughs> Those bots cleared out of there. I might, I might be able to add a few more, but uh, and I'm in the process all the time of doing that. That yeah, that is, yeah. uh, but I've got five thousand Facebook, and I've kind of lost count on LinkedIn because Amazon Amy handles that. Right. But uh, that's kind of really the, you can't afford to go out and buy uh, TV. You can't mm-hmm. afford to go and, you know, even even TV now, they used to have you on just to, you know, it was a kind of a community service thing to talk about your book, but now you you pay to play, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, that, that's a tough thing. So mm-hmm. a person's going to have to, that's, that's writing their book, if they think they want to write a book, they need to build, start building their platform now. Mm-hmm. And when I started writing, I didn't know what a platform was. <laughs> only track I just knew a railroad platform. I didn't know anything about a platform. So I learned that a platform, and then you build your good, uh, good email list from that, and you stay in touch with those writers. Those writers are the ones that make it for you. And I try and answer every letter, every phone call. I, I, I uh, I I I really appreciate my readers, oh, and wow. on readers, when you stop to think about it, you've written a book that's taken you. In my case, I write slow, so it takes me about three years to get put out a book. Mm-hmm. And a reader buys that book, he's going to have to sit down and spend about three hours out of his week uh, to read my book. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's a real honor when somebody will do that. And, and, and read your book and you need to give them you need to give them their money's worth right. when you write your book I think mm-hmm. that's so important mm-hmm. and so many books don't give you that and mm-hmm. one of my readers told me about the latest book she said to me she says I didn't like the ending and I said why didn't you like the ending I was really kind of hurt I thought she'd really like it and she said, 
I didn't want it to end. Oh, <laughs> that's such a compliment. <laughs> and I assured her that book six will work. And I do lead the characters, either their characters or their children will pick mm -hmm. up where the, where the other book left off. So that, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of final, you've got to, it finalizes with one character and then their son or daughter takes over. Mm. Yeah. So you shared you shared a lot yeah. about knowing what it is to give a reader their money's worth. <laughs> that is a that's a great statement and a great way to think in writing. You know, don't cheat your readers. You know, that's exactly. that's really good. Yeah, and engage engage with your um the reading community. It's one thing to engage with the writing community, which of course you need, but then to engage with your readers is a whole nother thing because you don't want a reader to think that this is just this one way street, just buy my book, buy my book, but you're invested in that reader. You're invested in, in that community. It's not just about you. And I su suppose that's what people get out of your speaking engagements as well. Yes. I, I tell the whole story. Yeah. Of the Westward Sagas. 100 year odyssey and they mm. seem to really like that story how what does your family think about the story you know i started the, with the first book with the intent of it only being for my family okay and uh, i mean I, I put a list of the family names and all this kind of stuff and everything in it and i started having other people tell them i really didn't think about going commercial with it. I was just thinking about some of my family. Yeah. And I will tell you a little secret. Sure. We love secrets. Well, I just got curious about, I just got curious about how many family members I had. Oh. And I met a lady, I met, it was the lady that made me the compliment on, on the book about that she was from Japan. Yeah. And as she was doing her her, uh, her her doctorate at UTSA. She was part-time working out at, at the Southwest Research, it's a big research center here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, I just one day I said, how, many, how, do you mean, how would you go about finding out how many relatives you, you had mm -hmm. if you, if you uh, wanted, you know, from a certain period of time, from this, my original progenitor, they call, Mm -hmm. uh, it was Adam Mitchell, and I gave her the facts and figures about how many children she had, and she had the algorithms to come back and got back to me within a week and said, you you have over 20, and now we're just talking about one of the family lines, you know, oh, from wow. just one, mm -hmm. and, and that, dating back from, from the 1700s, and she said, you, according to the mortality rates and birth rates, uh, you should have over 20,000 members of that one family living, okay? Wow. I found about 232 of them, and they helped me sell my books. I go to their family reunions. I go to one up in, in as far as Charleston, uh, Charleston uh, Illinois, and uh, they have a big reunion there, and the reunion has been going on for over over a hundred years so i think this will be the 105th year and i've been up there 
twice, and I'm planning on going this year. And uh, think about this. This is the same family mm -hmm. that Adam Mitchell. We're, we were like fourth and fifth cousins, but it, it, it's awesome. And, and that's just one line of the family that I've found. But in Austin, uh, Texas, I have, I have well over 100 uh, relatives that still live there. So, um, yeah, family, family, family is a good way to help. And I, I didn't think about that as a selling thing, and I really didn't even think about selling the book. I just wanted my family to know the story. And then look how things changed, and you realize you were onto something that people were really interested in. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because it provided, yeah, it, it provided a historical reference. People who were curious about how people interacted those times. Of course, th there's history happening as well as a family story. So people, yeah. you know, there's something in it for for everyone. Um, and what a creative way to approach selling using your genealogy to um because because you're not going there just just to sell them a book but you're going there to provide them with information about the family so again another win-win situation again where you're not all about yourself you're you're more about the readers and so yeah. those are very smart ways to figure out your niche and and then to go after it mm -hmm. very smart can you tell before you leave cuz I know our time is is wrapping up but before you leave can you tell us a little bit about the mystery Oh in the last in the last book yeah the sheriff the sheriff of Star County I'd love to Yeah uh, uh Will Smith that was his oh. real name his name <laughs> was his name was William though but okay. all his family and friend called him Will Okay. Will Smith, and uh, he was appointed, and this is real life, it had, he was appointed the sheriff, the first sheriff, he was not elected sheriff, he was appointed sheriff by the governor of Texas okay. uh, for the new county, the Star, S-T-A-R-R, -R, name for a guy. Anyhow, mm -hmm. there, I know we're, I'll, I'll cut it short, he, <laughs> he uh, as soon as he took the job over, they, they had a, a young village girl uh, lived in the, the little town they were trying to farm it hadn't even been hadn't even been named yet mm. but she was uh, they she was killed and oh. killed on the Mexican side of the river now he's the sheriff on the American side anyhow he goes after this guy and tracks and finds he's killed a lot of people and as he's tracking him he's this guy's killing people mainly women uh, that he he found along the river and uh, he he had to go off into Mexico. Really took a risk because Mexico still wasn't really excited about losing to Texas and for yeah. Texas yeah. sheriff to be yeah. off down there. He got a lot of he in a lot of trouble, but mm -hmm. he did solve the case. And it's quite a it's quite a deal of of, of, of how he went about it. And then mm -hmm. the prisoner escapes, and he's got to go after him again. So it's it's uh, it's quite a uh, it's quite a story. There's love in that story of the sheriff of, uh, of Star County, and uh, my editor chose to write the last line in the in the in the in the back on the back of the book it says, "Will uh, met two very interesting women, and <laughs> these two women really make a, a great story." And, and one of them 
he he has to prove he proves that she didn't kill her husband that was still alive. It was it's it's quite a story. It, it, oh, it, 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 it. It's kind of a tangled weave, but, yeah, but yeah. I, I really enjoyed that, and it's totally created in my imagination. So. Oh, oh! You made that. You fabricated that. One. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, now he was a sheriff, but yeah. whether this ever happened or not, I, I don't have a clue. But it sure makes a whopper of a story. It does, <laughs> and and then it has some historical elements in, in yes. it. You know, we forget about that um, yes. the separation between Texas and Mexico. Yeah. Well, so. Oh, one last question. I have to ask this: Do you ever hide little secrets only a few people will find in your books? Yes, I did, and and uh, Comanche Trace is the best example that you ever have. The okay. book starts out with this little boy climbing a mountain, right? And the mountain at that time really didn't have a name, okay. but most okay. of the people that lived in Austin called it uh, Comanche. They called it Comanche Mountain, and. Comanche Mountain today is a real famous mountain, highest point around Austin, Texas, Mount Bunnell. And you might have heard about Mount Bunnell if you ever met anybody from University of Texas. Oh, it, I it, but it, it's a talk, and, it, and so I just describe it. And then that the Colorado River runs along beside it, and this and that. But just mm-hmm. see how many. And then we have a we have a big stone up at Fredericksburg, Texas, called uh, Enchanted Rock. Oh wow! It didn't have a name then. It was called it was called Indian song, Indian Mount. It too was Indian Mound. They called it because it was kind of a, it's just around Enchanted Rock is a very famous place here, and uh, I didn't name it. I just told you know kind of the directions. And there's a cave that's uh, there that the Indians went in to. to, to during a cold spell, it came in. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, those little things and it's amazing people say i know where that was that was Mount oh, that's so like, cool. the people the people that live here yes and, okay. and I, I do i do i do some stuff like that that, that okay. just just get some inquiry back and it, it's amazing that, that, that they figure it out you know oh. if they know know the area you know just like yeah, there's okay. things in in, in in florida where you live that mm-hmm. if somebody gave you a little hint you say oh yeah that is that's the racetrack in Daytona. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, how can our readers stay in touch with you? Well, I've got two websites. Uh, uh, westwardsagas.com is one that's easy. And then my name, David A. Bowles. A is important because there's another author in Texas named David Bowles. So it's oh, davidabowles.com. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, author, okay, David, David and that's a new one we just put that in Amy put that together and it's a great website wonderful okay and so um, you, I can't wait for our readers to stay in touch with you and connect with you and I can't wait for you to come on back and talk about more I'd of your books to. yeah I'd love to yeah I'd love to Mm-hmm. I'm a Western cowboy. Oh, yeah. Um, great. <laughs> I would have never thought that catch. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love to, um, I love to watch uh, a lot of, you know, Westerns and all of that. So, yeah, it's fun. How do, how do you like Yellowstone? Have you watched that? The movie? I, peaked, I peaked at it a little bit. I, I want to, 
I want to keep it, it'll get you hooked. It'll it's, get you right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it'll get, it's kind of like the movie, the TV series Dallas that they had. Uh, you were a young child then, but I watched that. I'd get home every Friday night to watch that. And old yeah. J.R. Ewing, he, 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 he was a mess, but you you loved him. You loved to hate him. You know? <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks for giving me something else to binge. I'm going to have to put that put that on my list, you know? Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, you, you've been a delight. Um, and thank you so much, listeners and readers, for hanging out with us as we learn so much from David. And so let's not to continue, let's not forget to uh, pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word. <laughs>